India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes 12th of October 2021 9:36 pm I'm recording right into late evening doing so because well that's what ends up happening many of these days when I'm writing my Nifty Daily report it ends up being 8 or 9 in the evening paying attention to many things at the home front as it happens distractions when you actually work from home but there are always pros and cons to everything has every have everybody really gone back to working from their workspace maybe not but the reopening is pretty much widespread everything has been permitted but people are still being slow to going back to normal schools very very similar uh, i have my daughter going back to school uh my son still not so 8th grade to 12th grade have been opened up and they also not doing it every day it's like uh, once in couple of days is when they are schooling and even within that you have like half of the people attending the other half uh, don't attend school they attend the post school parties that the kids are having together at either dominoes and so on so that's where the hypocrisy really kicks in people are okay with sending their kids for the you know to get together with their other friends at dominoes but are not willing to send them to school i really wonder how that works anyway having said that that's exactly how the markets are as well uh, they show the same kind of difficulty which means uh, the market is really difficult for some people and they can see every problem in participating on the upside whereas if you did it pretty much blindly believing that it's a bull market then it was an extremely easy trade and continues to be so that's the big anomaly and how do you really deal with that unfortunately we are full of news flow uh, which can be contrary at times and can get you completely confused on days when you know you ought to be uh, much more confident of what the action is likely to be and so when you wake up to one morning like uh, today when you know some of the world indices are down all the headlines and if you're really a headline reader especially from bloomberg and other places uh, are all talking about the problems you know evergrand problem power crisis problem the fed and the rbi whatever they're doing growth will slow down us jobs god knows which way they bump and create a problem because uh, when uh, the job market is strong then it's a problem because interest rates might rise and when the job market is weak then we have an economic slowdown so you really need to make up your mind on what is really going on in financial markets and uh, otherwise you're going to really get swayed by these news headlines every day because the person writing them is essentially trying to justify what happened overnight it's not that he really forecast that's exactly what's going to happen is going to fall today because of evergrand and inflation no it's the justification that is coming in hindsight and that's a very very important pointer Uh, and the kind of justification being used is a function of uh, really the sentiment that we are all uh, you know throwing out ourselves because uh, the market sentiment has been poor uh, especially among traders so that's the other anomaly i mean when you actually look at investment crowd the investors actually participating in the cash market making money like never before and at least that's the feedback i get from the people directly dealing with them in terms of dealers and brokers uh, which is why the cash market has been easy all the uh, new nsdl accounts open people who are buying and selling delivery are pretty much happy out there uh, but when we actually like look at the fno market and look at the positioning 
and then we look at the discount in nifty futures we end up looking at a market that is still short you know where people are still not participating with a uh, strong bullish stance you know so the pcr doesn't pick up it's it started to you know peter out which means people are selling uh, so many calls even in a rising market and uh, why not because you look at factors like say the usd and are going up and you start believing that that's a sign that the markets are supposed to fall or similarly last month we had both the vix and the nifty going up together now you have the usd and nifty going up together and all of that has uh, you know you looking back and thinking that you know these may be signals of something coming to an end now typically in a, a zigzagging counter trend market which means if you have an you have a typical deep bear market or even if you have a one year pullback kind of up down market in that every counter trend bounce ends with some of these similar signals and they are very good signals to use to catch those stops but as we all know in a bull market nothing works you can't read into overbought conditions you cannot read into uh, you know simple put call ratio readings that you would have otherwise and well the put call ratio is actually closer to uh, where markets bottom even when the markets are near all time highs that's the funny thing and the reason that that's happening is essentially that sentiment which i just spoke of so what is it that's really going on now everyone has their own narrative uh, some of it around bubbles some are of it around uh, the stimulus and uh, the way i've put it together and probably repeated it over and over again i've called it reflation but what i'm mentioning in calling it more than that is reflation is not just it's not the inflation you know it's the repricing of the economy across the board which means we are really talking about raising the prices of everything so this is not your typical stagflation this is not your typical you know inflation uh, cycle where you know oil prices go up and they create too much of wpi inflation and then everybody is worry about that interest rates have to go up and that hurts but then there have been so many cycles in which you know you've done that as well and the markets have chugged along uh, for example and that's where you really need history you can go back to 1970s you can go back to the 1990s and for people who didn't really participate in in those repricing periods you know when all asset prices basically got repriced on the way up they actually missed out on on uh, meaningful market opportunities so you actually became relatively poorer uh, you know than than what the uh, Uh, you know markets were really doing so you would actually find that your savings were not meeting up to the rising cost of living and this was an experience that has been narrated to me by my uh, father itself uh, not someone who did a lot of uh, you know financial market investments so a lot of my knowledge comes from reading the books he amassed uh, to start with and then of course my own study and not uh, something that i would have really had to get from him but for me those inputs were the reasons to really start understanding why it happened and i could actually explain it to him many many years later that the 1970s spike uh, we all know the uh, you know oil shock uh, that we've heard of uh, but that oil shock essentially led to permanently higher prices this it is exactly in his language he said that prices of everything went up but they didn't really come down back that much you know and so it essentially meant that the cost of everything that he was buying in the market uh, you know regular goods and services groceries whatever you consumed and in, in fact even real estate moved up and never really went back down to the levels that he had really seen back there 
this happened for a second time in the in the late 80s or i should say early 1990s and that's essentially when you had the great reforms under dr manmohan singh now that's much more recorded period and you know exactly how the matrix moved you actually devalued devalued the currency so the currency which used to be around 15 you know in fact i think ever since it was 12 it was moving down in value and people were holding dollars i remember uh, used to be uh, in exports and used to come back and you know some dollars would be left and you you we would simply sit on them and then if my mom needed to sell them for some money you could go down to any shop and they would probably give you a spread i mean every shop in the neighborhood uh you know in the market would actually give you a spread on the dollar and the price would keep going up people were always willing to pay a little more so it went from 12 to 13 to 15 to 18 and then after the devaluations we went towards 30 now what that really meant is when you you know moved say, say the currency value from 15 rupees to the dollar to 30 rupees to the dollar is you sort of uh, you know that's that's a near 100% move right so that's a 50% or should we call it a 100% devaluation or a 50% devaluation but that means that to that extent uh, the price of everything that was imported and we since we were not producing that much we also had the license raj and other issues we were importing a lot of goods the cost of everything went up permanently and when we say everything it means uh, really means everything and so when everything moves up in price if you are not really been an investor in the markets then you really missed out on that benefit and in that sense it meant that suddenly everything that you had saved if it was not allocated towards rising asset prices were actually losing out in uh, in terms of purchasing power you know so while you thought you'd saved up enough and you think you know this is enough money for me for me to retire on uh, suddenly and i'm talking in terms of uh, you know somebody who would be saving and investing uh, saving you know uh, with with his working life uh, apart from being in i mean not really necessarily being in big business and so if you have been working life and saving and then suddenly uh, you thought that was a lot of money and you got a uh, devaluation and you're not really holding financial assets like uh, you know equity or real estates and suddenly those savings uh, had much lesser value than you would have otherwise at the beginning and it had to do with measures that the government had to take to save save itself you know whether it is to save itself whether it's to stimulate the economy and whatever the reason may be uh, measures that you take to really you know uh, widen or expand the amount of money in the economy so that you get economic growth or you can actually you know kick start uh, economic activity eventually leads to ha- higher asset prices and uh, if you're not really participating there then you feel left out from the wealth effect that it creates so uh, all the stimulus that we've heard of since 2020 what has it really done it's driven up com- commodity prices it's driven up it's driving up the price of everything if you're really not gone out there shopping and checked uh, you probably need to and uh, my sense is that prices of not just everything eventually tends up being labor as well so definitely the uh, salaries go up as well which is why uh, you know suddenly uh, when you start earning more you sort of absorb some of the pinch of the inflation that is hitting you uh, but uh, where it really hurts is savings you know so so your income can go up which is today but everything you worked for in the past if it's not really if it's just sitting there in a bank then it suddenly loses value against uh, uh, you know its ability to make future purchases that's the 
that's the real risk with with savings so uh, incomes can support uh, the higher level that the economy goes to but uh, savings lose out on their ability to make future purchases and that's the that's i think really the crux of it if you are really not getting what markets are doing right now which is they are repricing themselves based on higher prices that have happened and that have really transmitted through the economy uh, not just in commodity prices but the cost of almost anything whether you are buying a car whether you are buying furniture whether you are you know buying any goods whether you i, I am told even if you are buying something like a mixer grinder uh, the cop the price of everything has moved up and if the price of everything is moving up the financial market or the stock market to be specific is repricing accordingly because revenues move up that's price and definitely it means to some extent profitability of course cost also goes up eventually when you raise the cost of labor and input costs but uh, you know the way you look at it if you keep a constant margin you raise uh, revenue Uh, the value of everything moves up so even even if it's a constant margin uh, the value of your profits move up to the extent that the revenues have expanded because of the price expansion so uh, revenues do transmit to the uh, to the profits uh, when prices of uh, the goods and services that you produce go up so i think uh, for anybody not getting it just think about uh, think about what i've explained in very very uh you know simple language as to how markets can reprice uh, value even though you may not be you know having significant growth in terms of producing more goods and services okay so uh after all uh, people believe that you know market should always expand and i always wonder how many biscuits am i going to really eat in a day you know so you can say okay i if i am an fmcg company making biscuits i need to expand my market and you know move from you know urban then to rural then to and then you reach a point where you you've penetrated almost everything so then what and then it's really contribution margin it's really that pricing power that drives uh, everything uh, which is essentially inflation so that takes me all round to the argument when we hear when we read headlines and see oh, inflation is up this is bad my question is are you really long inflation or short inflation that's the real question to ask yourself because if you are long inflation then you're benefiting from uh, you know the inflationary trends that we are really witnessing and if uh, if you're short of inflation then then you're probably on the opposite side now having said all of this inflation metrics can vary around the world you've seen some parts of the world where inflation is rising i saw a tweet by ritesh uh, jain this uh, morning which said that inflation expectations from emerging markets are really at uh, the highest levels in years now that's interesting and probably some of the countries actually showing uh, increased inflation data and some some places have actually had to raise interest rates but when you look at inflation data in india so now years uh, i'm never wonder is it really transitory in india first before anywhere else because us is having elevated inflation not rising anymore but it's sticky in india we actually seeing it roll over you, uh, you know food inflation peaked at around 12% in january and it's now less than 2% and so ip growth is still at 11% gdp growth is still forecast by imf at 9.5% and all these headlines which i'm seeing in the evening at the end of the day after the markets have reacted recovered and closed positive a completely different uh, on money control than what you would have read at 8 o'clock in the morning on bloomberg so this is this is exactly what is going on this is how the confusion is getting created uh, whatever the market does and then suddenly the data is showing you something else 
Now, if I look at 4.3% inflation, is it really good or bad? So to a large extent, some of the repricing might have already been done. Uh, and if we actually be able to bring inflation down, imagine you don't need to really raise interest rates. You know, and so uh, there was a lot of hula also around uh, the idea that RBI needs to raise interest rates and there's uh, you know too much liquidity out there. RBI has accepted the second part, there's too much liquidity, but they are pretty clear that they need to continue to stimulate. And I mentioned this, I think, in my video also last week that unless inflation is a monetary phenomenon, you really need to believe that or accept that or know that. Uh, and you know not argue on the other part where some people believe that all inflation is a monetary phenomena if it is really being uh, you know really the repricing uh, of the market now of course you can create that repricing through some monetary action like devaluation of a currency for example but coming to the point that uh, if it's not something that's monetary if it's caused by things like supply side bottlenecks and so on which we also have heard of and know of then should the RBI really be trying to attack that or the Fed for that matter be trying to correct inflationary trends using interest rates when uh, the real cause is completely something else. So uh, we can try and do that to please everybody but uh, it might not necessarily be the right economic action to take uh, if the problem is something else you really need to solve it uh, in some other way. And of course, if you're talking about supply side bottlenecks because of the lockdown, that can only resolve itself over time on its own. So it's a self-healing process. As things open up, people go back to work. They really need to eventually at some point of time, whether it's at current labor rates or higher labor rates. And once that starts happening, because see, everybody's going to raise prices. If you don't have labor for running your hotel or your restaurant, you're going to pay a higher price. You're going to raise the price of all the food and uh, you know pro products that you're really selling at your store and eventually you're going to hire the people you need to get business done and so all of that is a process takes some time but eventually you're going to you know go back uh, to at least the normal where you were and as that happens many of the bottlenecks some of which are man-created for example the OPEC oil pr uh, production cuts are man-created right they're not real uh, but wherever it was required uh, it had to be done and wherever it hasn't been done, it has happened because of the lockdowns and all of that can revert to normal say over 6 to 8 months or 12 months. I don't know. Uh, I can't really forecast that accurately, but I can say that uh, that is the move you're going to see. Uh, the, uh, the real thing to ask ourselves is whether demand can really grow from there. And that is where you need additional stimulus. The additional stimulus has been promised by most governments around the world and which is why uh, we are supposed to expect that growth does kick in after the financial stimulus kicks out and that's the backdrop in which the markets are operating uh, first they are repricing uh, because they need to because uh, we've taken enough monetary action for that to happen and we've also taken non-monetary action for that to happen and maybe for all you know uh, the way the bottlenecks have been created uh, we are allowing it to happen, you know, so to some extent it does help the idea that your debt to GDP where debt is, uh, where the GDP is nominal, nominal GDP meaning price into production uh, actually needs to go up to bring down the debt ratio. Okay, so that's one simple math of it uh, where uh, whatever is happening actually works in favor of bringing down the debt level and making the situation more manageable. On the other hand, to kickstart growth, we are again spending more and to some extent in trying to increase the debt as well. 
but the hope is that that you know this uh, roller coaster will start rolling on its own and you won't really have to keep doing that uh, beyond a point of time now uh, that's the end game uh, not everybody knows how that end game will end uh, will it work exactly in the way that i'm saying or not or some other you know issue will show up will you end up in hyperinflation will you not uh, there are enough arguments for and against it uh, but it's most important to know where we are in the market and what we are doing right now uh, to get a hang of what you really need to do uh, to stay the course because uh, not every move of this kind has ended in disaster and if if you end up if things end up working exactly as planned then you would have missed out on what would have been one of the best opportunities to being an investor in uh, financial markets equities commodities uh, whatever it may it be that is going up in price that means asset prices in general and uh, if you stayed out of that uh, then uh, the opportunity lost is essentially a cost uh, to you in terms of your purchasing power that's i think the nutshell i think uh, uh, of uh, what my experience tells me and uh, have we really been in a period where we've seen things like the usd and nifty going up together yes we've seen that for short periods it's not something which is permanent but it happened in 2018 uh, when the usd and went past the 69 mark for the you know for the first time uh, it it uh, it did go up along uh, with equity for a while and uh, then eventually it petered out and we went back to that normal inverse correlation and now we are seeing that happen for a second time so i'm not completely you know ruling out that you know it it can be the case because if i simply look at each market independently i'm seeing different trends i'm seeing the strength in nifty and so i'm not reading in too much into either the rising usd nr or the rising volatility data and so on which keeps popping up from time to time uh, if uh, that was true or even in fact the rising dollar itself apart from usd nr the dollar index has been one of the fear trades for a lot of people while it's rising it should create risk but when we go back and study all the other asset classes and see what they are doing whether it's commodities whether it's emerging markets there seems to be a split i mean even within commodities we've had a pretty good run and while the dollar was spiking copper went into a consolidation but some of the other commodities have continued to go up oil is leading the way again it's gone past all the highs so has zinc and aluminium so far copper is the only commodity which is then not making new 52 week highs as of now and so those divergences really tell you that it's it's not all uh, risk off maybe the rising dollar is essentially not reflecting what we would have usually called a deflationary trend so earlier uh, when you are on a long term rising dollar trend it was deflationary between 2011 2020 oil prices went down and so did many other commodities gold included uh, of course gold bottomed early in 2015 but many other commodities continued to decline copper till maybe 2016 17 and we only seeing uh, the turnaround in commodity prices after that when the do- falling dollar environment has kicked in so then are we really in a com- in a dollar bull market you know so even though you get a dollar rally uh, part of the recent dollar strength may also have to do with the idea that the us is doing better than many other parts around the world economically you know so you are seeing a slowdown in asia that's a fact and uh, the rising dollar does reflect uh, negatively for some of these markets some of them are facing some kind of crisis and some more severe than others and others and there are some that are able to get by it and india being one of the prominent ones that's not really being affected as of now 
So uh, the rising dollar reflects the relative strength of the US rather than a deflationary environment as it did when you were in a dollar bull market. That's about what I can say for the rising dollar, which is why it's not really showing an impact on either US equity in a big way uh, or on India in a big way uh, or on, say, Europe or some of these markets. Uh, in fact, Russia. Russia has been one of the strongest markets because, well, it is a net commodity producer. So they are the commodity producing countries uh, like Brazil, for example, uh, which are doing well. But Brazil also, uh, the uh, Bovespa has actually been through a pretty decent correction recently in the last couple of months. So all markets have been doing their own thing. Uh, but net-net, none of them look like they are in a long-term bear market. You know, So even though there are corrections from time to time in some of the individual markets, they do look like uh, they are corrections within a larger uptrend. And therefore, I don't really see the fear of you know some bigger calamity at least not as of now not yet able to spot it and uh, which is why uh, like i said i've been ignorant of uh, all of these factors even as they've moved against uh, uh, my expectations because they're not really affecting what we really trade in which is the underlying securities uh, that have remained bullish and uh, you know nifty which is the interest of us in india remaining close to and hitting new all-time highs again and again so that's uh, that's i think the uh, big takeaway uh, that uh, it's been good and interesting to ignore most of these headlines but it has not been easy because uh, every time uh, like i tweeted today every time there's a down day you know every four five days there's a rally then there's a down day there's two down days and all the news is full of it this is amazing because i don't know i can't remember another time uh, where i would have seen the same a lot of people have no answer to that uh, on Twitter. Uh, maybe it has to do with the extent that social media is around and you, you read a lot more stuff. Uh, you read what everybody's thinking and doing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I do recall there were some fears around Y2K uh, as to, you know, things uh, going out of whack. But still, uh, I was a daily newspaper reader then. I don't read the newspapers anymore since the pandemic. I stopped my papers and then never started it. And so I don't have, I'm, I'm only reading some of the headlines that, you know, show up on some of the apps or online sometimes. And uh, I don't remember newspapers being so negative or, you know, the financial media being so negative than before or questioning the narrative at every point of time uh, back in back in the year 2000. So uh, even though you had, you know, uh, some places to worry about, like, like the K10 stocks, uh, but you had an actual boom in... Uh, the IT sector in terms of earnings growth and maybe that's the reason it was more justifiable uh, to a lot of people and maybe that's why they didn't question it because you actually had data uh, that that you could look at and support your views with but you didn't really have an economic turnaround so uh, the core economies were not doing so well cement companies were still reporting losses and so on steel companies were still not out of the woods and uh, the core economy was uh, you know still in doldrums but it was that single sector boom that drove Y2K. This time around you have every sector participating uh, and which is why I said it's got to do with completely different reasons uh, behind it. Uh, expectations of not just a return to growth and the energy crisis. Uh, people are looking at everything in a positive way. Okay, fine, there's an energy crisis, then who do you bet on? Which are the stocks that you can benefit on, benefit from owning if, uh, you know, this crisis has to be you know, taken to its uh, good end. And so accordingly, investors are positioning themselves into, you know, uh, financial markets. The day that news came out yesterday, all the power stocks were, you know, 
going up in double digits uh, in a single day so that's the that's the action to not miss out on and uh, is it in excess i think we'll not know because uh, there are so many moving parts and uh, i'll purely look at a signal from the markets themselves if there is an excess we'll see it in the form of an impulsive elliot wave decline which is what we call a five wave decline so far none of the corrections that we've had in the market have ended up being five waves down and which is why uh, each after each correction uh, we've ended up really looking for at least i've ended up looking for another rally back to the new highs uh, it's been stunning because uh, even i've i've not seen this or been uh, you know been around at a time where markets go up more than 100% and do not really see more than a even 15% correction you know for, forget even 10% so Uh, the only time would have been probably before the 1990s where for some period this would have happened it would have happened under the harshad mehta period and uh, this is definitely not that period uh, the only thing which i recently spotted as a parallel uh, which was a big bull meeting uh, a politician right to to put it very subtly uh because that's exactly what happened in the early 1990s when you know harshad meth actually met up with uh the uh finance minister or the prime minister i don't remember and uh, it was well written cover i mean it was sort of covered by the media uh, it has also happened at the time of uh, you know ketan parik so i hope uh, this time of course both of those cases were are remembered as you know bulls who were associated with you know uh, you know rigging market something that Uh, we are not really expecting to hear here but in terms of uh, simply the simple narrative that yeah someone who's considered a big bull meeting uh, a senior politician or the finance ministry or the you know uh, prime minister uh, has the only parallel uh, did that end that bull market well not immediately it it continued to go on at least for another 6 to 12 months before the final peak set in so are we getting that close to the uh, end game let's see time will tell at least uh, we have some time on our side is what i would like to conclude with in other words uh, it's not yet time uh, for things to roll over the reflation of the world economy or the indian economy continues to go on uh, whether inflation data reflects it or not at a particular point of time uh, it is something that is gradually happening below the surface and uh, once the spending by various governments kicks in then i would hope to see growth revive again that's i think the uh, basic uh, point uh, that i'm taking away uh, at the end of the day the momentum remains and the reflation trade continues to play out irrespective thank you Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge.